But guys, it was the spring of 2006, about a month before Callie and I were going to get married. And I noticed that I had, uh, you know, one of those iPod docks, you know, the things that it was the, uh, you'd stick your iPod in there and before Bluetooth, that would transmit through your radio to play music. And one of the things I realized is that my wife loves music and I had received a second one. And so, and I paid for about $125 for mine. And so what did I do? What any sensible, soon-to-be husband of a wife would do when I realized that she didn't have one and that she would like to have one, I told her that she could have mine for about $100. Y'all, it was a month before we were going to get married. I still remember the visceral feeling of shock that I felt. I'm literally thinking in my head, we're about to be married. We're going to share everything. We will have sex and you're trying to sell me your iPod dock? Like... Who are you? Who am yeah. I marrying? No, it, was, it was a really shameful moment. And <laughs> I wish that was the last of my shameful moments um, as a husband to my wife. But, you know, there's a fine line between being frugal and cheap. And that moment and many other moments, I jumped way over that line. Um, I don't know if you've been in a restaurant. I've been that guy before early on in marriage. Hopefully I've changed to when that bill comes out. You kind of get alligator arms and it's like, where's my wallet? Oh, I got it. I know it's going to. Oh. Let me get the check. But he has so many other amazing qualities. You're sweet. Yep. Here's the thing. That's not one of them. (laughs) Guys, I needed my wife or my soon-to-be wife and then since then my wife to help me understand what it looks like to be generous. Um, And I've needed my wife in so many other ways to help me be the man that God wants me to be. Um, And all of us do. Like we need people in our lives and especially our spouse to help us be the man or woman that God wants us to be. Um, And that is completion. And that's what we're going to be talking tonight. And that's lesson 15 in the Reengage curriculum. And so this evening, we're going to talk about what completion is, um, why it's important, and also how we're to complete one another. My name is Ryan Nixon, and this is my beautiful bride, beautiful bride Callie, um, sorry, who's been helping complete me uh, for a number of years now. Since 2004. Um, we have two girls, Davey and Evie Lee, and then a little boy named Ryan, and we've served with the marriage team in some capacity for the last 10 years, and you guys, we love serving in this ministry and this mission. And it's because we believe down in our bones that this is God's work. And we've seen firsthand both in the lives of our friends and even in our immediate immediate family, God used these steps and his Holy Spirit to absolutely change marriages. And for us, like we've seen it um, done in a healthy way for our own marriage. And also we've had a lot of experiences where we have not completed each other well. And so what we want to start off with is just talking about what completion is. And a quick caveat, before we say what it is, there are certain things that it also is not. So when we're talking about completion, we're not talking about the cultural Jerry Maguire, I am not enough without you, you complete me kind of thing. Because when we have that ideology of I need you to make me who I am, that puts really, really unrealistic expectations on one another. Really, a simple definition of completion is when we are used by God to help our spouse 
become more like Christ. And so this idea goes all the way back to the story of creation in Genesis 2, verse 18. Adam is one with God, and he's just finished, God has just finished creating the world, and Adam's been naming all the animals, and God's like, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he gets to something to where the Lord said, it's not good. And in verse 18, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. So I will make a helper fit for him. We were made from the beginning to help one another. And as it says in your book, one of the best wedding gifts God gave you was a full length mirror called your spouse. And isn't that the truth? (laughs) Guys, y'all know this, but the goal of the Christian life is to glorify God by becoming more like Christ. And there are so many things in our life that keep us from that goal. Like some are minor and small and some are offensive to God and hurt each other in really big ways. And so we need other people in our lives. We need our spouse to help us see the ways that we're not like Christ and help us take those steps to become more like Christ um, each and every day. And we really do. We need our spouse, but we also need the body of Christ to help us, right? We need a small group of believers to help us grow in this area as well. And we're going to dive into fleshing out what that will look like more in a moment. But first we want to discuss why this idea of completion is so important. I mean, for many of us, I mean, me, a lot of times, I don't like the idea of someone else or especially my spouse, my wife, like telling me and pointing out faults in my life or telling me ways that I could be better. Um, But when it's done well, In humility and kindness, I always appreciate it. And some of these things are just small things that are like blind spots. And some of them might be big, but even in those blind spots and even those small little ways, like we need someone else to reveal those to us so that we can change and be the person that we want to be. Yeah, I had a situation in my life where I spent way too many minutes with some toilet paper stuck to the bottom of my shoe in an airport past many, many fellow sisters, fellow daughters of Eve who said nothing to me. And so I made a vow right then and there that I call it the woman code vow. And if you are within my peripheral sight, I will not let you go by. If you have spinach in your teeth or lipstick in your teeth, because we're sisters. And so how much more so should we be that for our spouse? And then also just the idea that in a watching world where the idea of marriage honestly is being devalued every day, there is nothing more beautiful than seeing a thriving marriage walked out in integrity and honor. John 13, 35 says, they'll know we're Christians by our love. So we speak to a world a watching world about the kindness of God and the way that we complete one another. Isn't that beautiful? The next reason on why this is so important is probably the weightiest for me. Um, Because we've committed to completing one another um, and also we're going to be held accountable for it. Like when you got married, you stepped into something so holy. You made a covenant before God and with your spouse to love them the way that God loves us. You made that commitment. So you made a commitment when you got married to complete one another, to help them become more like Christ. And one day, uh, my wife is going to stand before the Lord and she's going to be judged for how she lived. And there's nothing more that she wants to hear and there's nothing more that I want her to hear in that moment other than God saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And it's going to be up to me, a part of it's going to be up to me and how I loved her and cared for her to help her become more like Christ. And I would hate for her in that moment to have thoughts run through her mind of just, 
hey, Ryan, why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you share this with me? Why didn't you love me enough to help me continue to be the woman that God wants me to be? And then also, I'm going to be held accountable. I'm going to stand before the Lord. And he's going to hold me accountable for also how I loved her in those moments. And so guys, this is so important. And one of the greatest things we can do is help each other prepare for eternity. Help each other prepare for that moment when we meet our creator. Um, And there's a great book by uh, Francis and Lisa Chan. It's called You and Me Forever. And the principle of this book is that helping prepare each other for eternity. And then the last one, it's kind of like a bonus. Like when you complete your spouse in a healthy way, you are the primary beneficiary. When your spouse becomes more like Christ, you are that primary beneficiary in all the relationships that they have. So that gives me goosebumps when he talks about that standing before the Lord someday. We think we're just in a little temporary marriage. This is not a temporary thing that we're getting to do to love one another. And so we've talked about what completion is, why it's important. And now we want to share with you, how do we do that? How do we complete one another? In 1 Thessalonians 5.14 really paints a great picture on how we're to complete one another well. And so this is what it says. And we urge you, brother... We urge you, spouse, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And so there's three different ways that we're able to help our spouse become more like Christ through admonishment, encouragement, and help. And let's start with admonishment. So admonishment is just to instruct sharpen or correct. And we see this all throughout scripture. So Proverbs 27, six says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Galatians six, one says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But I love this next verse. It says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Mm -hmm. And so we want to admonish someone with the reality of our own glaring failures right at the forefront of our mind. Yeah. And because when we do that, it, it helps us do it um, in humility. Guys, most of us, when we think about completion, we think about um, this idea of admonishment, of correcting something that's wrong or teaching something that needs to be added to our spouse. Um, and even though admonishment has a place in marriage, um, there's a reason why kind of completion and even this idea of admonishment is less than 15 in your curriculum. Because most of us need to uh, reframe how we think about loving our spouse well. Because it's really easy for all of us to see the faults in our spouse, to see the faults in someone else. And that's why the curriculum spends so much time calling all of us to draw a circle around ourselves and focus on ourselves and fix everything inside of that circle first. Because most of us run really quickly to how we should change our spouse. And this comes from Matthew 7, 3 through 5, where it talks about, hey, if you see something in someone else's life, if you see an issue or sin in your spouse's life, before you go try to help them with that, you go do business with yourself. You spend a lot of time helping your own issues, your own sinful areas become more like Christ so that when you go and help your spouse, when you go and help someone else, you do it in a way like it says in Galatians 6.1, out of gentleness and kindness and really caring for them well. 
And so that's one of the things that we have to do is realize how should we do that even when we admonish one another. And just remembering that to admonish is to go outside of my own circle. And so if I'm going to do that, I need to make sure I've spent a lot of time in my own circle. And also there's just a few ways to help admonishment go better when it is needed. And so one would just be when we come from a place of humility, that when I think about if I'm going to admonish Ryan, I am trying to complete him. I'm not trying to compete with him. And I am saying this to all my daughters of Eve in the audience that we want to compete with our husbands. And and that can't be from the place where we admonish because that's going to be communicated either in our eyes or in our tone of voice. And the second one is just when our spouse can believe that we have their best interests in mind. And so we've laid a ground of, of encouragement and love and fortifying that is going to remind them, hey, I am for you. As I'm mm-hmm. calling this out in you, it's a fellow worker of Christ. It's not as somebody who's looking down on you at all. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about Callie is like, I know that whenever there's something that she needs to share with me about, um, that she, she loves me and really wants the best for me. The, the other way of doing this well um, is when it's asked for rather than when it comes out of the blue. And so one of the, a, a pattern or a habit that could be really helpful is just building in regular time when you ask your spouse, hey, how did I love you this week? Were there ways that I could have loved you better? Is there anything that I did that, that hurt you or I could have served you in a better way? And so a lot of couples will have weekly meetings when they ask these questions. And when you build that habit of asking those questions, you're already at a place of, of humility. It's where you're saying, yes, I want to receive feedback on how I can love you better. And, and he's being sweet to compliment me. I have had to grow in this area so much because I am a strong, independent young female with a strong mind and stubborn opinions. And so really, truly, at the beginning of our marriage, when Ryan would try to admonish me, I would not have ears to hear it. And I would just go past him so fast. We used to joke, I could outlawyer him with my words in our marriage. And the fight would end and he's emasculated. And I felt like I've won, but we really haven't made any progress. And so it was not a good back and forth with us. I feel like I'd come into those conversations sometimes wanting to communicate a way she'd hurt me. And then I left asking for forgiveness. And I was like, (laughs) what just happened here? (laughs) And just remember being like, you're forgiven. Don't do it again. You know, thank you, God, that we have changed. But really what we had to enact is we put, we really put actual phrases in place that when he tells me something like, Callie, I need you to have ears to hear what I'm about to tell you. That is my signifier to, it's time for Callie to power down and put herself in a place of receiving so that I can hear what God wants to grow in me through him. And so even admonishment, even though admonishment has a place in marriage and helping each other, um, it should be that tool that we use the least to help each other become more like Christ, even though we think it's the one we should use the most. Um, Statistics say uh, that in relationships, we should use at least five encouragements for every one critique. And so most of us hear you're not enough or you're failing kind of outside of the house in the world, at the workplace. And the home needs to be a place where we're encouraged and built up and reminded of who we are in Christ. And so the next way that we're going to talk about completing our spouse is through encouragement. And so the next part of that verse just says, encourage the faint hearted. And so encouragement is just simply to give support, strengthen, console, and remind of what is true. One of the verses that I love is Hebrews 3, 12, 12 through 13. And it says, hey, take care of one another so that none of you have an evil and unbelieving heart 
causing you to fall away from a living God. So it's my responsibility to take care of my wife, to keep her from unbelief and sin by encouraging her on a daily basis. And when we're encouraging someone, if it's done well, we can't do it enough. And we want to encourage them in kind of some three specific ways. We want to be frequent, we want to be specific, Mm -hmm. and we want to be personal. We want to be students of our spouse so that we don't receive encouragement in the same way. And I remember um, there was a woman that I worked for at the beginning in the same way Ryan said, you can get enough negative criticism out in the world. You can get a loss, also a lot of attaboys and girls out in the world. And so we have to be careful with that. And one of the things this lady said um, at my first job, she goes, Callie, there will be women who are skinnier, women who look better than me that are around my husband. There will never, ever be anyone who takes the place as president of his fan club. And I just remember being like, yeah, that's what I want to be. I want to be his president, even in times where I don't feel that. Or you may be out there tonight and you may feel like, Kelly, I can't think of one thing to encourage my husband on. Ask the Lord to give you one thing Mm -hmm. and wear it out. And he will give you another and another and another to build on top of it. Some of the ways that I know that Callie and I have Uh, encourage one another to help each other trust in God and be the person that God wants us to be is in the midst of just seasons of anxiety. So sorry. Um, It even happened this morning, just waking up, mind spinning, you know, can't get some thoughts out of my mind. And, And my wife doesn't come there and try to fix it, but she listens. She reminds me of what is true and encourages me of who I am in Christ, you know, to help me walk through, um, those feelings of worry and anxiety. And you know, sometimes uh, we have seasons when words aren't enough, that we need tangible help and need our spouse to come alongside us and help us uh, to be who we want to be. And so this just leads us to the third way that we want to encourage you on how to compete, complete your spouse. And the next part is just help the weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this idea of coming alongside and tangible support, you know, we see this in Galatians uh, 6.2 where it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so many times you'll see your spouse um, that's just burdened by something, whether it's life or work or anything else. And, and you just want to look for ways to come alongside and help them. And if you don't know how to help them, ask. Mm-hmm. Just come in and say, how can I help you right now? And then I know for me, a lot of times I want to fix kind of her issues or her problems. And she doesn't need me to fix it. She doesn't need me to help her in that way. And that's when I go back to number two and I listen and I encourage and remind her of what's true. But at the same time, I can be prideful and I need to know when I need to ask for help and be vulnerable enough to do that. And we've grown a lot in that in our marriage. At the beginning, you know, Ryan has shared that he struggled in the past with pornography and with where he let his eyes roam. And we would pass a billboard and I would see him maybe take a second glance. And I just remember like putting my eyes down and being so sad and getting so quiet and where the Lord has grown. If I'm going to help the weak, I go, Hey, you have access to everything you need right here. What can I do for you today? (laughs) Just to draw his eyes and his mind, sorry, Uh away from whatever's distracting him at that current moment and go, I'm God's provision for you. Amen. And there's no fear in that, you know? Thank you, Jesus. Um, Well, anyway, whatever it is, if you struggle with food like I do, having healthy choices in the home or um, removing magazines, there are productive ways that we can complete one another by helping them. I think for me, helping my wife, we have three young kids. And so coming in and trying to help with dinner 
when our kids maybe are crazy in that moment, that's not the best way for me to help her is be able to say, hey, can I take these three banshees and I'm going to take them outside and yes. we're going to go play right now. You and can. so different seasons of life, there's going to be different ways that you can help one another, but look for those and fulfill them with each other. And so in First Thessalonians, this last part, it's admonish the unruly, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak. And at the mm-hmm. end, it says, be patient with all. And that's not just a fourth point. That is a, a banner that arches, in our opinion, over all of those things that to be patient mm-hmm. throughout every season and every process. As becoming like Christ takes time. And I think for me, sometimes it's difficult to understand what does it look like to be patient with my spouse, be patient with someone else um, as they're becoming more like Christ. And a lot of times to understand what it is is to know what it's not. Um, and so here's what being patient isn't. Um, and these are indicators for me when I realize I'm not being patient with my spouse is when I'm annoyed or frustrated When we get annoyed with our spouse or frustrated with our spouse, we have moved from a place of being patient and allowing the Lord to work while we come alongside them. And so just see those as indicators. When you start getting frustrated or annoyed with your spouse, your kids, that's not a them issue. That's a you issue that you need to, you know, surrender to the Lord in that moment. And I think that's the key right there. That's the difference between nurturing and growing and pruning a plant and doing what I do. They're sitting there and being like, what's wrong with you? Grow. Just grow. There's such a difference in our approach, and that approach means a world of difference. Guys, when this is done in a healthy way, our individual lives, our marriages, and our families are able to thrive. And and we know what it looks like when it's done in an unhealthy way. Either you're passive and you don't engage and care for your spouse and help them be who God wants them to be, or you nag them and and badger them uh, to where you kind of just force them into submission and to kind of controlling um, how they're going to behave. But when we do it in a way that's healthy and kind, like we really truly come alongside, help our spouse and help them be the person that God wants them to be. And guys, there's three relationships that God has given us to help us do that. We've talked about the spouse a whole lot tonight. And so look for opportunities to complete one another, to patiently come alongside them, to be who God wants them to be. And then also we have the body of Christ. You know, God has given us other believers, you know, to join together in small groups and a local church to, to connect deeply into, to help us be the men and women that God wants us to be. And the last relationship, and many times the most powerful relationship is the Holy Spirit. For the believer, the God, God of the universe has given you his spirit. And I love the promise that he gives us in Philippians 1.6. He says, he, which is the Holy Spirit, who began a good work in you, will continue to carry it out until the, t- the day that Christ returns. Guys, so we can be confident for those who are believers in Jesus Christ, that the spirit is going to continue to work in our lives as well. And so guys, um, lean on those three relationships. Lean on your spouse to allow them to help you be who you want to be and who God wants you to be. Lean on the body of Christ and depend on the Holy Spirit so that you can be that man or woman that God wants you to be. Guys, thank you so much for letting us come and share with you guys tonight. All right, guys. Hey, well, my name is John McGee, and this is my bride of 24 years, Pam McGee. 24 years of bliss. 
23 uh, years of bliss or yeah. something? Yeah, yeah, that's something. Good. yeah. <laughs> yeah. and um, we have four kids, love being with our kids, love our family, love just the things that the Lord's taught us through being parents. One fun thing we've done um, is we, a couple of years ago, John just said, hey, before our oldest goes to college, what if we set on this quest to see a ball game in every major league ballpark, all 30 of them. And um, we did that last summer, just a few weeks before our oldest went off to college. And it was a little bit about baseball, a lot about just the adventure of seeing the country, being together as a family. And so that was really fun. Um, But our oldest is leaving tomorrow for his second year at college. Um, Dawson is his name. Maddie just went to her first year um, at college. And then we've got one that's a sophomore in high school, Hudson. And Emmy is a freshman. Did I say college? Um, Sophomore in high school. Freshman in high school. We can only handle so many college payments. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, keep two at a time. Yeah. Um, But that's them. Um, Love being married. Love having kids. Love the stories um, that it provides for us um, as well. Yeah. So it's been fun as we've (laughs) sent these two off uh, recently. We've been going back, looking at pictures, like reminding ourselves of of stories. And one we were laughing about was uh, when when our kids were little, our our two boys, uh, we, we can't remember what it was, but they had done something incredibly egregious. Right, and uh, they knew it. Everybody knew it. Um, it was deathly quiet, you know, uh, in the house. And I said, "Guys, get, go to your room." Right, and I learned early on as a dad, you can't discipline uh, when you're angry. So I needed to, I needed to calm down. Uh, but this was a biggie. Uh, they knew it. I knew it. And uh, so I walked in their room. You know, and these guys are uh, a little bitty, and they're looking up at me. And I said, "Okay, guys, listen. Do you know what mercy is?" And you know, and they're looking up at me like. Just issue your judgments and decrees. Like, don't don't interrogate us. Don't play mind games. Don't don't just tell us what you're going to do. Like, let's just quit the chit chat. And I said, hey guys, um, mercy is when you don't get something that you deserve. And what do you guys deserve right now? And they're like, man, we deserve like something big, you know, something really really bad. And I said, yeah, you do. So guess what? You guys get mercy, and none of that's going to happen. You know, and er- like. Everything changes uh, in the room. And I said, guys, do you know what grace is? And so now rather than being terrified of questions, they're excited to see what comes. And they said, no, dad, like what, you know, father, teach us what, what is, what, what is grace? What's this new word that you speak of? And I said, guys, guys, grace is when you get something that you don't deserve, right? You get something, you get a gift and you did nothing to deserve it. So guys, put your shoes on and we're going to go get ice cream. And so we, we hopped in the car and we went down. It was a big day. We got the double scoop, right? You know, and so we just sat there and the, the cones were as big as their heads. And we just were looking at our ice cream and we just talked about grace. How amazing grace is, both when we receive it from God and when we extend it or we receive it uh, to others. Grace changes everything. It changes everything. And so if you're wondering, the next time they got in trouble, um, you know, I went in and they're, and they're like, Dad, we want grace. Like, <laughs> we want grace. And I said, guys, have you ever heard of justice? And, and so, <laughs> um, so obviously kids need and they love grace. And it's no different in marriage. Yeah. Um, we need grace. Um, and we love grace when we extend it to each other. Um, things happen. Life changes. Unexpected things happen all the time in marriage. We need grace. Yeah. So uh, my favorite place to look at grace, think about grace, and learn about grace is found in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 3. Let me read this to you. Paul says that all of us um, also lived among them uh, at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. 
Because of what we are done, all of us, uh, we deserved wrath. And you guys, I don't know if in your uh, kind of tenure at, as an elementary school student, if you had a playground bully, but do you remember just how terrifying it was when someone bigger than you was out to kind of get you and do you harm? All right, some of us like, you know, that uh, just brings about cold sweats, even just thinking about it. But you know what, because of what we've done, uh, because of our sin, we deserve the wrath, not of, you know, some little... Um, you know, pubescent um, bully, but the God of the universe. Like, we deserve to have the God of the universe come after us and pour out his wrath. That's what all of us, all of us deserved. But there's some good news in verse four. But because of uh, his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And it is by grace You've been saved. And uh, Ephesians 8, 9 uh, goes on to say, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a free gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So what we deserve is the wrath of God. And we, we did nothing, nothing to get ourselves out of that mess. But what Christ had done for us, we can receive and we get life. We get life in Christ. Grace changes everything. It changes everything in our relationship with God. It changes everything um, in our relationship with our spouse. And so you'll notice a theme in scripture. You'll notice a theme here in Reengage that most all, of, all the things we talk about really are a pretty simple formula. We receive uh, something from God and we understand it and we give it to our spouse. We understand biblically the way God loves us and we give it to our spouse. We understand and receive the forgiveness of God and we give it to our spouse. And tonight we're talking about how the, the amazing gift of God in uh, grace mm-hmm. that we've received can become an incredible gift to give to your spouse. It changes mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, and so because we have received that amazing grace from God, we can't extend it to our spouse. And so what does that look like? Um, so it looks like this. It's not, I love you if... It's, I love you in spite of. Um, It's not, I love you when you measure up. I love you even when you mess up. It's not, I love you um, when you do this. I love you even if you don't. Um, And it's not, you owe me, but it's, I am for you always and regardless of anything else. Um, that's what grace looks like in marriage. Yeah. And we can do it because God gives us that. Right. And so God, God doesn't demand anything of us to receive it. It is just a free gift. Mm-hmm. And grace, uh, being on the other side of grace is basically just God's favor. Right? You woke up today if you're in Christ and God is just for you. Didn't matter what you did yesterday. God woke up and his posture is that he is for you. And that's what it looks like to be the recipient of grace from God. Mm-hmm. And then that's what we can extend and give this incredible gift to our spouse. So what does it look like? Like, what does grace actually look like in your marriage? If you're to put grace on wheels and roll it into your uh, house and, and let it uh, move around throughout the day, what does it look like? And so we wanted to spend just a few minutes kind of showing you and talking through uh, some different topics, some, some stories that we've uh, experienced and uh, maybe better understand what grace would look like. Yeah. So in communication, right, we know that communication is everything, all our days, um, are filled with it, and grace is kind, 
and seeks to understand. Um, so this one has a lot of words, a lot more than this one does. And um, as I just process thing out, things out loud and just talk in circles oftentimes, John just seeking to understand, it may be hard, um, but seeking to understand what I'm saying and just being patient and kind. Um, or if it's looked like, hey, I, I want to explain to him something, that a way that maybe he's hurt me or a way that um, I think you could be better than that, and I, maybe I don't do it well, my timing's off, I have bad examples. Instead of getting defensive, John just says, hey, let me help you. I mean, I want to understand what you're saying. I want to hear that. Grace seeks to understand, and grace is kind when you communicate. Yeah, and so when it comes to kids, uh, grace serves, right? And some of you guys are in, uh, in the grind of little kids, especially, and uh, you know, there's this whole, uh, you know, this whole discussion about, well, whose turn is it to uh, change the diaper, to feed, uh, to bathe, uh, to go through the nightly ritual. And, and grace doesn't keep track. It doesn't keep score. It just serves, like, gladly. Uh, and then gives grace when it doesn't happen. And so famously, uh, in the McGee household, there was a night, it was like my lowest moment as a dad, uh, one of our kids was crying, and I totally faked it, like I was asleep, uh, so that I didn't have to go change the, uh, change the diaper or whatever, I think it was sick, and I just pretended Pam was like this close in my face trying to see if I'm awake, and I just, I, I slowed my breathing down, you know? <laughs> and uh, and I, came, I came clean. I mean, I, you know, I felt bad uh, for a second, at least the next second, I was awake and I went right to sleep and uh, and I woke up the next morning and I said, "Oh, babe, I'm so sorry. I, I chose me over you." And she said, "That's fine. You know, it's uh, not not a big deal." And she probably said, "Please, you know, please don't make that a, a matter of practice." But like, we're good. And uh, she didn't get mad and tell me, you, know, "You owe me five on the other side of that." And I was like, "Hey, I'm for you. We're good." Uh, next. Yeah. So grace serves. Um, just in the little things, um, there's lots of little things all day in marriage. Grace is grace is patient. Um, grace picks up clothes that get left on the floor and doesn't say anything. Um, grace would, um, when the oil change might be a couple of thousand overdue, Grace just says, I'm going to go get the oil change, fill up the car, leave a note, and not say anything. Um, grace, um, maybe in our house, um, will eat their stack, snack of sardines outside instead of inside because they smell so bad. It's true. Sardines. It's, a, it's a great protein source. It's lean protein, <laughs> but it stinks. And so um, just little things. Grace is patient and thinks of the other person and the little things. Yeah, that's great. So when it comes to the fun stuff, um, Grace doesn't keep score. It just rejoices. Mm-hmm. And I remember leaving for a, um, a kind of an out-of-town football game, and uh, you know, Pam had some little kids, I'm sure, just clinging to her. You know? And I was like, oh, man, this poor woman. I'm leaving her, and I'm going to have fun with my friends. And, and I remember saying, hey, uh, I'll make it up to you. And she looked at me and was like, yeah, there's nothing to make up. Like, go have fun. Go be with your friends. We're good. Like, there's, there's no reciprocation uh, on the other side of that. Go have fun. And that's what grace looks like. Um, Grace appreciates um, when your spouse tries to help you with things. It's not always perfect. I remember a story early on. I went in to get a shirt. John had done the laundry. Went in to get a shirt for Dawson. And the shirt that I was looking for, this white shirt, I couldn't find the white one, but this one looked exactly like it. It was just a faded red color. Um, And I remember saying, okay, Lord, give me grace. And I said, hey, Dawson, today we're going to wear pink. And that's how it went. And so just grace. Breast even cancer or yeah, something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to run the Susan G. Hillman in this yeah. shirt. Um, but just grace appreciates um, when a spouse tries to help or just tries to love you well. That's great. Um, okay, which number next? Um, here. Uh, grace is rejoicing uh, in the spouse that you have, uh, not wishing uh, for one you don't. Okay? Uh, you, you guys know what you call a uh, 55-year-old male with washboard abs? Single. 
<laughs> or on testosterone, right? Like uh, 55-year-old guys who are married, who have kids, who have jobs and are serving in the church probably don't have time to spend four to five hours in the gym uh, a day, or they probably shouldn't, right? And we look at, and we've all got our own like, you know, weird, uh, weird things uh, that we think would be great if we had this. And we know it's, we know it's not true. We know it's uh, not even real or, or right, but sometimes we can fixate on uh, what is? And grace, grace is just rejoicing. Again, the way God does. I, I chose you. I've got you. I'm for you. Not, not if you become something. Not if you, uh, if you make this much. If you look this way. As is. I'm for you. I love you. And that's what grace, uh, that's what grace looks like. Okay? And uh, a lot of us need to just kind of turn over in the morning and be grateful for the person that's next to us. And I was thinking about on the way over here um, that I can, you know, Pam and I have, 24 years, we've found all kinds of ways to wound and disappoint each other. But I can't ever remember, I can't ever remember a phrase starting with, I wish you were more like, and name someone else, or I, uh, I wish I had, you know, married someone else. Like, those have never come out uh, of her mouth. Now, it doesn't mean she hasn't thought it, right? Uh, that she couldn't explain uh, some of those thoughts to you. But those, have, those words have never come out of her mouth. And I just thought, I mean, what, what an incredible gift uh, that I don't have to look over my shoulder uh, I wake up and, and Pam's for me very, very similar to the way that God is for me. Uh, and that's what grace looks like. Yeah. Um, grace handles expectations well. And so we've got them. There's a lesson in um, your book about expectations. We've got them about everything. And I think John and I laughed when we got married. Um, he was going into graduate school, into seminary. And um, I think there was this expectation about what that would look like. So I bought a copy of Grudem's Systematic Theology, maybe bigger than this, got through about a chapter, and that was about all I could do. And so I think the expectation of C.S. Lewis and Tolkien sitting there with pipes was not going to be met in our marriage. Didn't Um, happen. And so there's other people he can do that with, but he handled that expectation well. And so um, we've got him, again, about everything, big stuff, little stuff, and just holding those loosely, trusting the Lord, and handling expectations well is a way that you can extend grace to your spouse. Yeah. When it comes to sex... um, grace initiates. Okay. Uh, It doesn't say, Hey, you know, big guy, if you have a really good week and you meet all my expectations and, uh, you're kind and you make me feel a certain way, there's a, there's a little treat for you, uh, Saturday night, right? Uh, it doesn't hold out a carrot and it doesn't, it doesn't use sex as a bargaining chip. Hey, I will do this for you, but in return, I need you to do this. That's not how grace it works. It just initiates, right? And, um, you know, I, when, when we were married, uh, on our honeymoon, I wore a size 30 or 32 waist. Uh, today, I'm rocking the 36, right? And uh, I have, Pam's never come to me and said, hey, if you get back to 30, 32, we can get back uh, to business, right? Uh, that's never happened. Uh, as is, I choose you, um, I will initiate. That's what grace looks like. Um, So grace supports and encourages through the ups and the downs, through um, your oldest two leaving for college back to back in lots of teary days. um, Grace listens and supports and encourages when days are hard, when you just need to talk. um, And that's just what you do for your spouse. You encourage and you support through the good and the bad. And then lastly, grace forgives. And I can remember um, a couple years ago, I don't remember what I said, but I can uh, vividly remember the response um, that Pam had to it. And so we're back in our back room, and I, you know, I don't know what I said, but I was just I was being a jerk, and these little tears uh, start streaming out of my wife's eyes. And I thought, oh man, you know, here I am, just being an idiot, uh, God's daughter, and um, 
And I said, babe, I'm really sorry. There's no excuse. You know, will you forgive me? She said, of course, you know, and, and we talked it out. I remember waking up the next morning, taking a shower and, you know, brushing my teeth and I'm uh, getting dressed in, in our bathroom. And I, and I was like, I can't believe I did that to Pam. I cannot believe uh, that I did that. And, um, and so she's like behind me and, or she's right here and I, I, we're talking like through the mirror. And I said, babe, again, I, I, I am so sorry. Like, I can't, I can't believe I did that. And right at that time, this little five foot four frame comes in behind me and puts her arms around me and peeks around me and is talking to me through the mirror. She goes, I said I forgive you. We're good. That's the end of it. I love you and I'm for you. Next. And I just thought, man, I think that that's what it should feel like when we understand the forgiveness of God. And man, I want to give that uh, to Pam. That's what it looks like uh, when grace uh, forgives. That's what grace looks like in action. And so you're probably sitting there um, with this objection. Okay, if I do all this, won't my spouse take advantage of this grace? Um, To be honest, probably. Yeah, yeah, we probably will. Um, Sinful people historically have just taken advantage of grace. We do it to God all the time. And so you think about if we can do that to God who's perfectly extending us grace, how much more will two sinful people that live together wound each other, take advantage of the grace? Um, And so it's going to happen. We do want to make sure we say, you know, that um, it goes without saying that unrepentant sin and abuse um, is never okay. And you're at a place where you can raise your hand and get help. There are definite times when we should not overlook an offense. And we'll talk about that in the completion chapter. But for the day-to-day small things, just overlooking little things, taking a risk, initiating, even when your partner doesn't, that's what grace looks like. Awesome. So um, as, you, as we wrap up here and you start thinking about, okay, I know what it looks like. Um, I know why, um, because of the gospel. Uh, I know what it looks like. How, how do I do that? Let me just give you three R's uh, real quick before we go, okay? And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. First is just to resolve, uh, to show grace. It basically saying, just choose to show grace. And some of you would say, like, I can't do that. I can't show grace. Uh, and I would say, yes, you can. Right? So play along with me. Imagine you guys are having like a, one of those big fights, right? Uh, right? You're in your living room and, uh, and it's all about, you know, whose mom is more annoying, you know, and, uh, you know, I should have listened to my dad and not married you and your cooking's terrible, you know, whose breast smells the worst, that, that fight, right? Energy, uh, you know, words, it, all, all this is elevated and I, and I call you, right? And you look down and it's, and it's John. In the middle of that fight, how will you answer? Hey, John, how, how are you doing? Good to hear from you. Right? And, and a millisecond before, you're clawing each other's eyes out, right? And you could choose in, like, in a minute, in a second, you can just choose to show grace and be kind. And so many of us, like we don't need, we don't need any other uh, tips or techniques. We can just choose uh, to show grace. Okay? But the second thing I would, I would offer you is that we can rely on the Spirit. Okay? The second R, we can rely on the Spirit. In Philippians 2, 13, it's just a verse that's meant more and more to me year after year. And it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good purpose. And I pray it for others and I pray it for myself when I don't want to show grace or I don't want to obey God. I ask God both for the desire and the ability to obey him. And so God would never, God the Father or God the Son would never give us a command that we couldn't obey. 
And the, oftentimes the way he helps us obey it is by the power of the Spirit. It's our competitive advantage as Christians. We have that and no one else does. And we can rely on it, okay? And then lastly, we just remember the gospel. And we remember that, that we should have been objects of wrath, which should make us quake. It should send a, a cold shiver up and down our spine. And instead, instead of wrath, we got grace. We woke up today, if we're in Christ, and God was for us. And so the next time your spouse frustrates you, right, God's daughter like agitates you, God's son lets you down, and you want to give them wrath, you remember the gospel. And you remember that their father, your father, rather than wrath, gave grace. Okay? So resolve and uh, rely and remember the gospel. And I hope you guys have a great week um, applying the gospel and showing grace to your spouse.